So it has been so good. We are in week three of our series called Bumper Sticker Faith. Uh, and my family and I got uh, a little bit, of, a few moments to go down and explore uh, the Oregon coast. What a treasure that is. And um, I wanted to share a little something, but I have a little, ex- a little example of something that I learned. And I'm going to invite my daughter Ellie up. Because um, I don't know about you, but have you ever um, walked down the beach or watched, some of you, maybe your people watch her, you don't actually watch, walk down the beach, you just like to watch and you've seen people walk down the beach and in a different couple ways. Uh, I learned something really important this week on how you walk down the, the beach. And we're going to show them, right, Ellie, how we walk down the beach. So I want you to stand over here, okay? And I want you to be dad, and I'm going to be you and your siblings, okay? And you're going to walk down to the other side of the beach, and I'm going to walk after you, okay? Ready? Go. Hey, hey, right? Okay. Is that how you walk? Sometimes? No, that's how Gwen, Gwen and Stephen walk. Um, but one of the things that I love, and this girl does really well, is what do we do when we walk together? We hold hands. And this is one of the things that I love walking together, right? We walk together and sometimes we swing arms, sometimes we do some twists, right? Um, but the thing that we love in our family is we walk together. Thank you. I'll have you come back up and show me in a little bit uh, something else. But we, and it's something that's incredibly important, walking together is something that we loved, and um, it is really important, and especially uh, with kids, but even maybe with me and my ADHD, um, walking hand in hand is so much more important because if I see something, I stop or I keep walking and I've left people behind. And so this morning as we talk about a bumper sticker that I actually love, like the last couple of weeks we've had a trouble with some of them, but this one I actually really do love. Uh, the bumper sticker that we're talking about this morning says, save gas, walk with Jesus. And I feel like a couple months ago, a lot of you were walking with Jesus because gas was so high priced, especially Mark and his truck, right? Um, and some of you with uh, bigger vehicles um, were paying for it hard, and maybe you needed to walk a little bit more. And so I just love this, like, save gas, walk with Jesus. And we're going to explore this morning what it looks like to actually affirm this, and what does it mean for us as disciples of Jesus to walk with him. And the main thing that I want you to take away, if you take away anything, is this. In our pace of life, here in the Pacific Northwest, and mainly over as Western, uh, Western people, don't race. Pace with Jesus. Right? I know I was 16 and I got in a car and I loved to race. But don't race. Pace with Jesus. This is something that we are incredibly talking about this morning. And so if you will, turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Um, we are going to read um, this interaction between Jesus uh, and a man who is trying to figure out what does it look like to walk with uh, Jesus. And so it says this, starting in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and he asked, Teacher, What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replied, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. 
Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and money, mother. Let me read that again, kids. Honor your father and mother. And church, let me say this next one because I'm wearing it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This morning, we're talking about this idea of walking with Jesus. And Mark's already mentioned it. We're talking about treasure. What does it look like to walk with Jesus in the midst of life where we do value things? And so this, uh, this week, one of the things that we talk about a treasure in our house um, and with our kids. Does anybody know what this is? Nobody? This is saltwater taffy. We took our kids into the candy store and with how many different flavors, and we told them they can have 10. You know how hard that is for a kid? 10? I bet some of you adults can't just take 10, right? Like, that's so hard. Um, this is like, and I feel like uh, on the way back, we really found out how much of a treasure this was uh, because um, within five minutes of walking down and getting in, uh, our kids had eaten a ton of them, at least half, before we found out that they had eaten a lot, and so we took it from them um, and then gave it back to them in the car later. But there was something that was funny that happened. So later, um, one of my children, who shall not be named, um, said um, she had a lot of taffy left, and she goes, her siblings wanted one, and she goes, it'll cost you. 25 cents for a taffy. And I was like, the going rate's probably more like a dollar at the store, uh, so it's getting cheap. So everybody go to my daughter for a 25-cent taffy. But 25-cent taffy, and, her, and then the kids were like, they lost it. They were like, daddy, daddy, where's quarter, where's quarter, where's quarter, where's quarter, right? Like they're in our change drawer trying to find taffy, um, and our daughter's trying to meet. But that phrase stuck out to me. It will cost you. And I think when you talk about in this text, when Jesus is meeting this individual, it's going to cost him something. See, the cost of following Jesus, we talked about today with treasures in the men and kids, um, is that whatever competes for your attention. Saltwater taffy competes for our family's attention. Top to bottom, it competes for our attention. You put saltwater taffy in my kids' hands or in my wife's hands or in mine, and you have lost us, right? Like you have like, mm, what flavor is that? And getting our kids to do anything, walk in a straight line, listen, follow, obey, it's gone. It's over. And so one of the things that we learned is we had to take this away in order to get their attention. And this is what Jesus is talking about, really. The, sometimes the cost of following Jesus is taking whatever is in your view, whatever you hold that captures your attention, and put it to the side to follow Jesus. For us, it's saltwater taffy. For you, I don't know what it is. 
But the reality in Jesus is saying here is that we are really good at saying, like, I've obeyed all those big things. Like, I hope that none of you have been here and murdered anybody. Like, that's great. You're doing it. You can agree. You're like, I have followed all the commandments. But there's something in your viewpoint, in your focal point of life, the thing that takes up so much of your attention that Jesus, in asking this man to give up something in order to not just check off, but says, do this and come follow me. It was the biggest distraction in this man's life. He walked away sad because this was a thing that his life was set on and it couldn't get out the way to follow Jesus. So simple, same thing. Following my, as a dad, honoring your father and mother, like to get saltwater taffy out in front of my kid's face is what's going to cost them to listen and obey. This is, and Jesus didn't, it wasn't just this man. It wasn't just this man. Even uh, Jesus has a couple more interactions in Luke chapter 9 that he talks about cost of following Jesus. So it's not just about selling all your possessions. If you're going to hear me and say, like, Austin's asking for all your time, treasure, and your talents. No, I'm saying, like, this is what it means to follow Jesus. It's that it's going to cost you something. He said to the other man in Luke 9, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Man, this is such a good thing. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts their hand to the plow looks back and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And you might sound like, that's harsh. That's harsh putting things aside like family and burying the dead. But what Jesus is saying is that for most of us as Western Christians, we're not having to leave jobs. Like we're not fishermen that Jesus says, come and follow me, and you leave your boat and your lifestyle and your living wage to go follow Jesus. But for us today, in our context, we talked about this morning with our kids and what we are doing in this life as disciples of Jesus is that whatever is taking your attention away from Jesus is the thing that he is asking you to put aside in order to follow him. Church, all those things that that he talks about putting aside are not things that he just wants to take from you. It's for the life that he offers that we talked about last week. Life we offer, sometimes you have to put aside what is in front of you in order to have what's better. And so what do we do? What does that mean for us as a church? And I'm going to ask my daughter to come back up um, and, and help me with this. We talked about walking and so before we talk about that, we want to talk one, I just want one more thing. I want to practically not just give you an idea of like, what is it costing you? Like, what's at, what's taking your attention? Her and I talked about this. Like, actually, what is taking your attention away from Jesus? But also is the thing that is taking your attention away from people. God said, love God and love others. You know, I'll just be honest and confess right now. This one right here often says the thing that takes my attention away from her, which also takes my attention away from God, it's my phone. Right? Right? The thing that takes attention away from you is the same thing that takes attention away from God. It is the thing that's in my face. So church, help me with it. 
What is in your, what is in the focal point of taking your attention? Is it your phone? Is it your calendar? Is it your hobbies? And so one of the things that we talk about uh, in our family, and one of the things that we started learning and had a little fun game is, is that when we said, when we walk together, what do we want to do? Play a little game. Yeah, we do this mirroring thing, okay? So we hold hands and we start with our left foot because I'm left foot dominant, right? Left, right, left, right, side, over, walk. We play a little game. We see who can follow. Uh oh, turn around. There we go. Now back, right. Left, right, left, right, left. Good job. High five. This, if you want to save gas and you want to walk with Jesus, that's what it means. And when we talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus, literally we are talking about apprenticing after Jesus. Apprenticing after Jesus is exactly what I just did. The apprentice, our job is to look at the way that Jesus walks, the way he moves, the way he talks, the, what he does, and do likewise. When he moves left, we move left. When he moves right, you learn to get the pace of Jesus, right? That when you're walking with somebody else, like when I'm walking with my wife, like I have to learn to slow down. She doesn't walk as fast as me. How many of us in life are walking so fast, maybe hand-in-hand with Jesus, that we're actually pulling Jesus along because we're walking faster than him? Apprenticing after Jesus is literally that, is that you look, and it, it, was, it was happening in the way that you would follow Jesus, is that he would stand in front of you as a, as a teacher, and you would be behind him, watching him, listening, walking at the pace in, in, in such a way that you were close enough so you could hear and see what he's doing and what he's saying, and that you mirror that. Apprenticing after Jesus is doing likewise what Jesus does, which is very different when we talk about what is apprenticing now. That for many people that are in like trades, that you go and you apprentice after someone so that you can then go away and do it yourself, independent of the one that you are apprenticing under. It's not the way of Jesus. The Jesus, the way of Jesus, is abiding in him. He says he is, the, he is the vine and we are the branches. To do apart from him is to die, is to wither. That to apprentice after Jesus is not to go and do it on your own for your own success and your own way of doing it, to contextualize it the way you believe it should work in the way in which you live, but that you apprentice after Jesus in order to then make disciples of Jesus. This is why we do everything that we do. This is why parents, we learn to apprentice after Jesus so that our kids, as they watch us, get an idea of what it looks like to follow Jesus. So that when they make their choice to follow Jesus, their apprenticing after us is apprenticing after Jesus, and they don't even know it. Apprenticing after Jesus. And so when we talk, it sounds like Jesus. When we do, it looks like Jesus. We, as parents, walk with Jesus and apprentice with Jesus so that your kids will walk with Jesus. As friends, we walk with Jesus and apprentice after Jesus so that our friends will walk with Jesus. 
Your coworker, you as a coworker, walk with Jesus, apprentice after Jesus, so that your coworkers might walk with Jesus. You are a neighbor who walks with Jesus and apprentice after Jesus so that your neighbors will walk with Jesus. Apprenticeship for the soul matter is not just to learn what it means like this man to get and do enough to get eternal life. It is to apprentice after Jesus, to apprentice after way of love so that you might be love to one another in the way that Jesus has loved you. And as we end, I want to say this really quickly and really clearly because I think this is one of the most important things that we are missing as a church, that there is so much richness of saving gas and walking with Jesus, not feeling like you're racing ahead just to get to the destination of eternal life and leaving Jesus in the dust. That saving and walking with Jesus, there is so much richness when you walk with Jesus, when you do like he does, you listen and you hear what he says, you, hear, you see what he does, and you see how he walks. Because the gift of that is living water like we talked last week. It says, if you come and you follow me and you practice after me, you will learn to live like I live. And the gift of my life is living water, is life for your very soul. Some of you are very weary and tired. I am weary and tired. I am tired of being tired. And I wonder if it's because I am apprenticing after my own way in the way of Jesus. And I came across this phrase that I think is incredibly important for us today. And that might, you might have a hard time with me and you might disagree. Let's talk. Let's go have coffee. Let's have beer. Let's go talk. But first I want to do this text. Because I think it leads really well into what we're talking about. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking about this way of Jesus, of walking with Jesus. As he talks to his disciples. He says, you call me Lord. A lot of us call him Lord, but you don't do what I say. Man, that eats at me. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words as disciples, as apprentices in the way of Jesus, they put them into practice. That's what apprentice does. It's not just knowledge. You put them into practice. You take that knowledge that you've learned, you've seen, and you've done. And I will show them what they're like. They are like a man who has built a house, who dug it deep and laid a foundation on rock. And when the flood came and the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. The word practice. This way of Jesus is not just building up knowledge. I don't come here to talk to you about how you can build up knowledge so that when Jesus sees you face to face and he tests you, like, kids, there's not tests in heaven. Amen, hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Right? There's no more tests. He's not quizzing you on your theology of the Trinity, of atonement, of what you think of his death and resurrection is. Mm, Jesus, could you have done it a better way? Right? Like, He's not asking all these questions. He's not, you're not filling out a quiz. It's not a pop quiz. It's not an open book quiz. What he's asking you to do is not just what you do with your knowledge, but what you do with it in how you live. Every one of us, everybody on this world is seeking after life. 
We too. And we believe life is found in Jesus. Let me say this, church. If you want the life, if you want to experience life in Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're like, I don't feel like this life in Jesus is good or going anywhere or has done anything for me, my question to you is, how are you living? How are you praying? Like we talked about those practices of Jesus is the lifestyle which he led and which is what has built us as a church. We come together in like this. They gathered in the temple. We gather in the church. They gathered around scripture to learn and to know what God was doing in the restoration of all humanity and creation. They came together to pray together for what is going on, for freedom from oppression. They came to pray. They came to eat together. They practiced the way of Jesus and they had life. Maybe you don't feel the life found in Jesus because you don't practice the lifestyle of Jesus. You haven't learned to pray to just be with Jesus. You haven't read scripture just to be with Jesus. You haven't ate together with other people just to eat with them in Jesus. You don't Sabbath and rest with Jesus. You race. I wonder, not only for Pine Lake, but for the Western church and the church all over, is if we describe what is this life like in Jesus, we described the lifestyle of Jesus. And they back said, that's the way you live. And they connect the fact that the way that you live is the source of life. Church, I'm going to say it again very boldly. You will not experience the life, the living water that Jesus offers to the Samaritan and you if you do not practice the lifestyle of Jesus. You won't. I'm, that's, not the, that's not the interpretation of Austin. That is when he looks at scripture and he says to this man and then Luke and others, is like, you have to put away things that keep you from the lifestyle of Jesus. I'm working on it. My wife and I are working on it to try to more mirror the lifestyle of Jesus than the lifestyle of this world. The pace will grind you to a pulp. You will come here withered and weary and heavy burdened. But the moment you practice the lifestyle of Jesus is the moment you hear in Matthew when he says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. And we will carry it together. But to carry it together is to bind yourself to Jesus, to walk at the pace of Jesus, to pursue the lifestyle of Jesus. Church, we can sit here all we want and proclaim how much we love. But if we don't live like him, we will never have the life found in him.
Let's pray. Father, I am just... um, I just want to take a moment. I want to ask the question, as you ask questions all the time. What is distracting us from you? God, what is in our life that is causing us to live a different life than you lived? God, what practices do we need to pick up? What things do we need to lay aside? Because Jesus, I want everyone to experience the life in you. So God, come. Holy Spirit, right now in this room, before we even get up to respond, would you be moving us one degree towards the lifestyle and the pace that you walk and you live? God, and for some of us, maybe like even myself, we need to put our phones down. God, maybe for some of us, we need to say no to something so that we might actually be able to rest. Maybe we need to wake up a little bit earlier or go to sleep a little bit later so that we might spend time in your word and in prayer with you. Maybe we need to commit to being together, to eat together. Which will be a cost. We need to buy more food and buy more chairs so that we can make room in our table for others. What is it, God, that you are calling us to practice so that we might experience life in you? Wonder, God, one thing, lay it on our hearts and give us the courage to make a change. We ask this in your name. Amen.